Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the loud cry of David as we pick up in Psalm chapter 61, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Shall we turn now to the 61st Psalm? Hear my cry, O Lord. Now, in the Hebrew, this word for cry is very intense. It is actually, hear my loud wailing, O Lord. Now, David was the kind of a guy, when he was in trouble, he really let go. Some people are very reserved in their nature. I am sort of a reserved kind of a person, but David wasn't. I mean, when he was in trouble, he wanted everybody to know, and especially God. And so he would wail out, hear my wailing, my loud cries, O God, attend unto my prayer. It is thought that David probably wrote this psalm at the time that he had been in exile as the result of the rebellion of Absalom. David had fled across the Jordan River when Absalom came from Hebron with an army to take Jerusalem. David did not want to encounter his son in battle. He didn't want to be fighting against his own son. And so rather than making a stand there in Jerusalem, which would have been Uh, The natural thing to do, because Jerusalem was a walled city, it was a difficult city to take, and, and he could have no doubt withstood Absalom, but yet, because of his son and all, and his own broken heart, he just fled from Jerusalem with his armies and with those that followed after him, and just sort of capitulated to Absalom and fled across Jordan, and now he is crying unto God. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer from the end of the earth, driven out of the land of promise. He now feels that he is out to the end of the earth. And if we would put that in our common vernacular, we might say the end of the world. And sometimes we do have those experiences which we feel are the end of the world kind of an experience. In other words, man, this is it. This is the end of the world. This is as far as I can go. This is as deep as I can get. This is, this is it, you know, from the end of the world or the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, many things can cause our hearts to be overwhelmed. The loss of loved ones, financial problems, the loss of a job, the loss of health. So many things can cause our hearts to be overwhelmed. What do I do? When I get to the end of the proverbial rope, when I have no place else to turn, where do I turn? What do I do? Every one of us are driven by circumstances sooner or later 
to this end-of-the-road type of an experience where I have no place else to go, no place else to turn. And where I turn at this point is so important. Some people turn to pills. Some people turn to the bottle. Some people turn to a gun and just try to end it all. When my heart is overwhelmed, David said, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. There is a place of refuge. There is a place of strength. There is a place of security that we can have in Christ. The rock that is higher than I. A place where I can be sheltered from the storm. Sheltered from the enemy, protected. A rock is a symbol of strength in the Bible. The Bible says concerning Jehovah, he is our rock, Deuteronomy 32. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul said concerning the rock from which the water flowed in the wilderness, and that rock was Christ. That life-giving source, the rock, smitten from whence life flows to all men. So when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. It is so comforting to know that at my extremity, I can turn to God. There is a verse of the song, He Giveth More Grace, that beautifully describes that when we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength is gone ere the day is half through, when we've reached the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving has only begun. His grace has no limits. His love has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. And when I've come to the end, when I'm overwhelmed, and I cry unto him, that rock that is higher than I, at that point of my extremity, God has just begun his glorious work within my life. God brought many people of the Bible to the end of the road. I think of the angel wrestling with Jacob all night. It was a bad day for Jacob. He had just left his father-in-law, and that was a bad scene. They had had words. And their leaving wasn't on the best of terms, even though when they departed from each other, they said, Mizpah, which means the Lord watch between me and thee while we're absent one from the other. Yet, <laughs> that isn't as pleasant as it sounds when we put it into English. In the Hebrew, it literally means, you've ripped me off. And now you're leaving with all of my goods that you've ripped off from me. And I can't keep my eye on you anymore because you're going to be gone. You've gone with my daughters. 
You've gone with my flocks, my herds, and I can't watch you anymore, so may God watch over you. While we were absent one from the other, you crook. <laughs> and it had been a bad scene. Jacob didn't know how he was going to fare out of it. In fact, he wouldn't have fared so well unless God had been with him. And the night before his father-in-law caught up with him, the Lord said to his father-in-law, don't you touch Jacob. You keep your hands off of him. And so because Laban was afraid of God, he didn't touch Jacob. He said, listen, I, I have the power to really do you hurt. But last night the Lord told me not to touch you. And so, um, but I mean, it wasn't, it was a strained experience. Now Jacob has left his father-in-law. They've gone back toward Babylon. And Jacob receives word. Your brother is coming with a host of men to meet you. But that isn't really a welcome home party kind of a thing that you're anticipating or looking for. Because the last time you saw Esau 17 years ago, he was saying, as soon as I get a chance, I'm going to kill that rat. And his brother had been threatening to murder him. Now if his brother was coming to welcome him home, he wouldn't need two or three hundred men with him in a welcome party. So Jacob knew that trouble was brewing, and he was troubled. That was the night that there came an angel of the Lord and wrestled with Jacob all night. The Lord was trying to bring Jacob to the end of the road. You see, he was going to need all kinds of strength tomorrow. He's going to be meeting Esau. He doesn't know what the situation's going to be. It could be perilous. And so all night, a night when you especially need sleep, you need strength for tomorrow, he's wrestling with this angel. Now, Jacob at this point is a 96-year-old man. I mean, he's no spring chicken anymore. And in the morning, as the day began to break, still wrestling. Man, this guy is tenacious. He's not going to give up. So the angel touched him in his thigh and caused his muscle to shrivel and crippled him. And the angel said to Jacob, let me go before the day breaks. And Jacob at this point was hanging on with all that he had. But he broke down and he began to weep. Now Genesis doesn't tell us that he wept, but Hosea tells us that Jacob now was in tears. He was a broken man. And he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. But that wasn't a demand. That was a plea. It was a plea with tears. Please don't go without blessing me. He's defeated now. God has him where he wants him. Jacob, the name means heel catcher. A cove. For when he was born, he had hold of his brother's heel. So they said, oh, look at that heel catcher. And the name stuck. What is your name? My name's heel catcher. You won't be called heel catcher anymore. You're going to be called 
governed by God, Israel. His life was changed. No longer the supplanter. No longer the deceiver. Now a man, Israel, governed by God. What a difference. But God had to bring him to the end of the road to bring about those necessary changes. And so the last cry of desperation that came forth with weeping and tears from Jacob was really the first cry of victory. So often that is true in our lives when my heart is overwhelmed. When I turn to God out of desperation, that becomes the beginning of God's glorious victory in my life as he leads me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy, the shelter of the rock. Strong tower. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert or the covering of thy wings. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. And you will prolong the king's life and the years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. O prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. And so will I sing praise unto thy name forever that I may daily perform my vows. And so David ends the psalm with more or less words of confidence. God, you're going to take care of it. The rock that is higher than I will see me through. He'll bring me back. I'll dwell in your tabernacle. I will dwell before thee. Psalm 62, another psalm of David. Truly my soul waiteth upon God, and from him comes my salvation. He only is my rock. So remember the last one, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Now David declares, he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you imagine mischief against a man? You shall be slain, all of you, as a bowing wall you shall be, and as a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Now, Verse 2 and verse 6 are very similar. In fact, they're exactly the same with the exception of one word. But that one word makes a vast difference in the two Psalms, and it shows that just in that space of time, there was a great increase in the faith of David. It's amazing how that when we begin to bring to God our problems, that even through prayer, our faith is increased. Even while in prayer, we begin to gain faith and begin to be victorious and begin to experience that victory of the Lord. And this is expressed here in David's psalm. Between verse 2 and 6, 
He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. <laughs> and in verse 2, he said, I shall not be greatly moved. And then he repeats the same thing in verse 6, but now he leaves out the greatly. <laughs> I shall not be moved. He didn't have enough faith in verse 2. Well, they might move me, but not very far. <laughs> But as his faith is increased in the Lord, they're not going to move me at all. I shall not be moved. Oh, how glorious it is when we finally bring things to God in prayer and how God can immediately just bring a change of our own attitude concerning the situation. There have been many times when as the pastor of Calvary Chapel, I have been absolutely terrified at what God was doing. I stood in fear and in amazement of the work of the Lord. It was necessary for us to step out in faith a few times that just absolutely frightened me. When we had to move from the chapel a block away and when we purchased this 10 acres here and when I was contemplating the cost of putting up all of these buildings, I was absolutely terrified. The cost of the improvement of the property, putting up the buildings. All. I had never pastored a large church in all my life. I didn't know anything about pastoring a large church. I had no experience for my job. I've been pastoring small churches all of my life. And suddenly we were in a rapidly growing situation where we had to get this property, where we had to build new buildings. We were in triple services. We had enlarged the thing. We were putting up seats in the patio. And there was no room to stand even in the patio, and we had to do something. So we purchased this 10 acres. I was trying to assure the board that we could always sell off five acres and get our money back because it was such a good buy and surely we'll ne never need more than five acres. Of course, that's how great my faith was for what God wanted to do. That's why you can't really look and say, well, our pastor had great faith, you know. No way, I was backpedaling as fast as I could go. And when I would drive up Sunflower Avenue from the other church, getting ready to go home, and I'd be sitting there in that left turn lane waiting for the arrow, I would look over at this 10 acres of ground, and my heart was overwhelmed. I'll tell you, I'd say, well, I'd say, Lord, what are we going to do? And, and, you know, thoughts would go through my mind like this. Here you are in a facility that's paid for. Here you are with $60,000 in the bank. Here you are just comfortable over here. Well, it wasn't comfortable because it's so crowded. But here you are, and, and things are really cooking, you know. And now you're going to plunge into an expense, $300,000 for just the lot, $125,000 just to put in the parking and the street improvements. And that doesn't even start the buildings. And what if, what if it doesn't come through? What if, 
What if the attendance drops off? What if things go bad? Then look at the big debt and all. And I'd say, Lord, what if it doesn't go through? What if things drop off? What if... And the Lord would say to me while I was sitting waiting for the arrow, whose church is it? And I'd say, it's your church, Lord. And he said, then why are you worrying? If my church goes broke, if my church goes bankrupt, no problem to you. It's not your church. Why are you worrying? And you know, before the arrow would turn green, I'd have the victory. (laughs) Up over the freeway, singing, boy. I mean, no worry. It's his church. If the thing goes down the tube, nothing off of me, you know. (laughs) If you'll bring your needs to the Lord, even as you are bringing them, the Spirit of God will minister to you. And he will plant that faith in your heart. And you can go in prayer from the place of, I shall not be greatly moved, to I shall not be moved. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study, the book of Psalms, on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Psalms 61 through 62 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. God bless you. Fill you with His love, with the power of His Spirit. And may you be obedient to His commission as you go into your world and declare His gospel. To those around you. May the Lord make it a very profitable week to you spiritually as you grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. The 1960s became one of the most colorful periods in American history. The counterculture was dropping out and turning on. The Summer of Love was the stage for many dramas of change, and the most popular musical group in the world was singing All You Need Is Love. But one man in Southern California was reaching out with the answer, and the truth began to set people free. 
author and pastor Chuck Smith began to share the love of Jesus Christ with a generation that was looking for love in all the wrong places. Now some 40 years later, the gospel of love is still changing lives. In his book simply titled, Love, The More Excellent Way, Pastor Chuck Smith expounds upon the love that can change your life now and forever. For more information on how to obtain your copy, visit a bookstore nearest you or call 1-800-272-WORD or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org. That's thewordfortoday.org.